Good morning and happy Sabbath. I'm glad you chose to brave the weather and be here today. Now, pastor's on vacation, as many of you know, but if it makes you feel any better, I think it's a little colder where he's at. So he's not in better shape. You might remember uh, exactly three months ago on September 30th, I, I gave the message then as well, and, and Sam gave the, the children's story that day. This is complete coincidence, but I think we make a good team, Sam. So thank you so much. Um, some of you know that uh, today's message was going to be a tag team between Jen and I. Uh, unfortunately, Jen got the flu or was diagnosed yesterday with the flu, so it's better that uh, she did not join us today, but she's watching online, so hello, Jen. So, so 217 is almost history. Over the last week or so, I've seen several articles and TV stories recapping 217, 2017 rather, in terms of the biggest or most memorable weather events, political stories, news stories, etc. Some good, and, and as you know, some not so good. You know, I find myself more frequently admitting that time is going fast, and it seems to be going faster and faster. I don't know when uh, I heard this last, uh, my, my grandma had told me several years ago that if you feel like time's moving faster, it means you're getting older. And uh, I don't know that I recognized that until I turned about 40, 45 years old. I've tried to be intentional about not always saying how fast time is going or how busy I am, but rather to enjoy the experiences of life day to day and try to see God's hand in the everyday things of life. I titled today's sermon is, is Did, you recognize, Did You Recognize Him? And in preparation for today's message, I began to think about and reflect in different ways and times that I recognized God in my life this past year. In the bulletin, you'll notice some questions to think about and even consider or answer for yourself um, as we go along through today's sermon. Today we're going to look at a story shared in the Bible of two men who were with Jesus but did not recognize him. My hope is that as we leave here today, we'll better able, recognize, better able to recognize God in our lives more frequently and easily, to have confidence that he is there for us in our everyday, even mundane things of life. The question for us is, do we believe that he's there, beyond any doubt, and that God is always with us? God is very present through the good, the challenging, and the most difficult moments in life. Do we recognize that God is with us, that he deeply cares about us and that he loves us, and that he is working all things out for our good? Several years ago, my, my family and I were camping in Cadillac, Michigan, and that Sabbath we went to the Cadillac Church, and during the announcement time, the, the platform elder had shared that the pastor was sick that morning and was not going to be able to preach. So impromptu, he shared that we were going to do a testimony worship service, and he invited the congregation to be thinking about uh, things they might be able to share during the worship service of ways that they had experienced God that, uh, during that year. Um, I found that service to be very memorable in, in a way of just being able to connect and share with each other in ways that, uh, that, that perhaps we could each relate to. And, and I remember that service just being so encouraging and made me think about things that I, I had perhaps had similar experiences but did not recognize God in those moments in my own life. So today, after I share some brief, brief thoughts in, from Scripture, I'm going to give us the opportunity to share something from this past year of how you've recognized God's presence in your life, his providing and his love for you, 
We'll have some people with microphones that will come around if you raise your hand and you can share for a minute or so. I want to keep it as brief as possible. Just share something uh, brief if you'd be willing to share that of how you've experienced God this past year. So please be thinking about that as, uh, as we go along uh, the message today. It doesn't necessarily have to be some, God saving you from a shark attack or something like that. It might be how you've experienced God when the gas in your car lasted longer than it should have. It could be how someone showed you kindness when you were having one of those most incredibly difficult days. Or perhaps you recognized God when you were taking an exam and you deeply felt his peace and presence. Perhaps as different people share, you might remember something similar in your own life. Let's, let's pray. Father God, I pray that you would be with us today as we think back on this last year and ways that you have been with us and provided for us and that we Perhaps even if we didn't recognize at the time that we might recognize now, Lord, that you were with us and that you were always with us, working all things for our good. And we ask this in your name. Amen. I'm going to share a few moments today from Luke 24, verses 13 to 35. If you want to turn there, that's the only scripture we'll be using today. Luke 24, 13 to 35. This is one of the most vivid and insightful accounts of Jesus' appearance after his resurrection. Luke is the only one of the four gospel writers to include this story. It's a story that reveals to us not only something about who we are, but how Jesus opens our eyes to see him for who he is and about how we can come to recognize him. In my own paraphrased version, it goes like this. On Sunday, two of Jesus' disciples were walking about seven miles from Jerusalem to Emmaus. They were having a deep conversation with each other about all the events that had just happened in the last several days. As they were talking and discussing, Instantly, Jesus came upon them and began to walk along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He then asked them the craziest question. Hey, what are you discussing as you walk along here? They must have stopped in their tracks, their faces downcast. He said, man, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have happened these last days? So clearly, they, must, they thought he was a visitor. And he goes, what things? About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied, he was a prophet, powerful in word and deed, before God and all the people. But he was sentenced to death by the rulers and chief priests, and they crucified him. We had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what's more, some of the women who went to his tomb this morning found his body missing. The women said they saw a vision of angels that told him he is alive. At that moment, Jesus said to them, how foolish you are. And how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. And beginning with Moses and the, all the prophets, he explained to them all that the scripture said concerning himself. As they approached where they were going, he acted as though he was going to continue to walk on. But they urged him to stay with them for a while. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it. And at that moment, they first recognized him. Later, they said... Didn't our hearts burn when he was sharing scripture with us that that was him? They got up at that moment and returned at once to Jerusalem to tell the others what they had experienced. You know, the journey to, to Emmaus is both a literal and a spiritual journey. On one hand, it recounts the story of two disciples who, after the crucifixion and resurrection of our Lord, they walked seven miles from Jerusalem to their village of Emmaus. On the other hand, it outlines for us the journey that we all take from not recognizing Jesus 
to, to then understanding what the scripture says about him and who he is. And finally, our giving witness of what we have experienced. So the first part of this story is where Jesus seeks us. Although the disciples knew who Jesus was, they did not recognize him. They knew a lot about him. They had been witnesses to all the things that had happened in Jerusalem. They had heard, no doubt, on many occasions, the things that Jesus had testified about himself. Yet, they were not able to recognize Jesus when they met him. There were several reasons why they didn't recognize him. First of all, God didn't want them to recognize him. Jesus' gradual revelation to himself allows them to learn certain lessons about trusting God's promises. The disciples had been told about these events many times, but they had not believed. Secondly, events had not happened as they had expected them to. They had preconceived ideas of who Jesus was, that he, what he had come to do, and now how he should do it. But when these things did not turn out like they had expected, they dismissed the whole thing as a mere failure, as misplaced hope and trust. While God always has a plan, we are not always privy to that plan. When things don't turn out like we expect, instead of giving up and admitting defeat, perhaps we would be wise to see things differently, to see if maybe God is up to something we simply do not understand at the time. Thirdly, they had little faith. They had heard the reports of the women who went to the tomb. They had seen the empty tomb for themselves, and yet they did not believe. The supernatural working of God to raise Jesus from the dead was way outside of their paradigm. They had never seriously considered who Jesus was. We, too, need to be careful not to make the same mistake, to discount what God has done simply because we cannot explain it or understand it. While God often uses natural things to accomplish his will, he also does things that we can neither explain nor understand. These two disciples knew something had happened, but it was beyond their level of faith to see the things as they truly were. Just because, just because they knew about Jesus does not mean that they knew Jesus. Just because they could see him does not mean they could see who he was. Many people today know who Jesus is. They have heard about him, they have read about him, they use his name, and many even claim to know him. They would, not, they would not recognize him if they saw him, though. Their eyes have not been opened. Knowing about him and knowing him are two different things. Secondly, Jesus opens their eyes. In verse 27 it says, The beginning, then beginning with Moses and from all the prophets, Jesus interrupted them interpreted for them the things concerning himself in the scriptures. While we do not know the specific passages that Jesus used, we know he opened to them the scriptures with a view towards showing them how all the Old Testament pointed to him and his fulfillment. We know that Jesus walked with them through the entirety of the revelation to show how it gave witness to who he was and why he had come and why it was necessary for things to happen the way they did. Jesus wanted them to see that if they, they would only believe what the scripture says about him, they would understand why he had to, had to suffer. They would have known who he was. Scripture gives testimony of who Jesus is. He uses it to open the eyes of those who do not know him. God prevented the, these two disciples from recognizing Jesus 
to convey a deep truth. Even if we were to see, we, spit, we still might not believe. We must trust the testimony of Scripture. Jesus tells us that we must have the scriptural truth to understand who he is. Romans 10.17 says, Tell us that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Outside of the word of God, there is no reliable witness to who Jesus really is. The scripture tells us the truth about Jesus. But then Jesus reveals himself. It was only as they had fellowship with Jesus that he disclosed himself to them. Jesus reveals himself to those whose eyes he has opened through the truth of his word. It is not without significance that it is around the supper table that the disciples are opened and they see Jesus for who he really is. After the resurrection, many of his appearances of Jesus are associated with table fellowship, of being together. <clears throat> in the intimacy of fellowship, Jesus reveals himself to us. His working in our lives becomes clearer, and his provision and protection comes into focus. So for each of us, it's so important to spend that time in fellowship with God. But when they recognized him, he disappeared. Fellowship with him was not going to depend on their ability to see him, but rather upon them taking him at his word. And notice, finally, their response. Once they did recognize him, they could not help but share him. When your eyes have been opened, you will want others to have their eyes opened as well. Can you imagine the excitement they must have felt? They said to one another, didn't our hearts burn? within us while we were speaking, while he was speaking to us on the road and while he was explaining the scriptures to us. Have you ever had those moments where afterwards, like, man, I knew something was up. You just get that feeling. I just imagine these two guys together looking back, saying, I had that feeling, and they both agreeing with each other. Their encounter with Jesus had been emotional. It had stirred them on the inside. It had moved their very hearts. And once moved, they could not help but share. Scripture says at that very hour, Dark, and this is my words, but dark as it was, late as it was, dangerous as the roads might have been, they left back for that seven-mile journey back to Jerusalem. I imagine them running that seven miles back to share their experience they had with Jesus. That he had walked with them and talked with them and explained the scriptures to them and broke bread at their table. Have your eyes been opened to who Jesus is in 2017 and what he has done for you? Do you know that he walked with you and talked with you? Can you testify of his presence in your life? Do you have fellowship with him? Has your experience with him this year been so real, so moving, and so life-changing that it has caused you to tell others about him? I know that God has been working your life this past year. If you're willing at this time to, to briefly share an experience you've had this year of how you've recognized God, we're going to take a few minutes now. Bailey and Yu Chang will, um, will bring the microphone to you if you are willing to and interested in sharing something briefly that you can uh, perhaps lift each of us up uh, in ways that uh, God is working or you recognize God in your life. So um, without delay, we'll do that. While they're passing around, I did want to share just a, a brief testimony. Um, you know, I, I've been on the school board, I shared with you last time, like 12 years. And Pat, you can probably testify this as well. I don't know that a year has gone by where at the beginning of the school year, this same number comes up. We are going to be $50,000 in debt every single year. There's no magical formula beyond it, and then it seems like as the year progresses that the, the picture seems to get more and more optimistic. 
And, and I don't take it for granted or presumptuous. I know the Lord is blessing, the Lord is guiding, and the Lord is using many of you in those ways to, to um, provide for those needs. But I, I do recognize it as God working through some of you and, and through this church as a whole to continue to support and provide for us. So that is something that's encouraged me every single year that we've had that. Barbara has the mic first. Go ahead. Yes, I just want to um, say what happened recently in our house is Bill got very, very ill on Thanksgiving Day, and for weeks he was not doing well. We went to uh, one physician that was not his and um, really didn't get very far. Um, I came to church one day without him because he was still too sick, and our Sabbath school class prayed for him, and Nancy said, I just feel that we need to pray for him from up front. And you prayed that day for Bill, and when I got home, I'm going to cry, um, he started to feel better. And so he had, we had had blood work the week before. Things were out of whack. He had an infection. They didn't know why. On Wednesday, after that Sabbath, his doctor called and said, you know what, I want you to go, and I want you to go right now and get another blood test, and then I want you in my office at 10 o'clock tomorrow morning. Well, that blood test came back fine. Everything was done. The doctor felt he knew what Bill's problem was, put him on some medications, and he's continuing to get stronger. So we saw the power of prayer. Amen. So this year, um, I started to learn how to surf. Um, you might ask yourself why, because I live in Illinois, <laughs> not close to the beach at all. But um, I have some friends in Michigan that were kind enough to teach me how to surf. And I got my board and everything. But how I recognized God is on the water. I know that sounds very cliche of like a beach bum or something like that, but um, really when you're out on the lake and it's your first time surfing or whatnot, even when it's not your first time surfing, there is three things out on the water with you. And one is your surfboard and another is the leash that is attaching you to the surfboard and the other is God. And two out of the three of those things are very, very material and very, very futile because at any point, if you get crashed in a wave, you know, the water can take both of those things away. And if you're not a good swimmer, you know, your life could very well go with it. But what I have found out on the water is I have found God's character and his peace and his protection out on the water every single time. And it's really cool, so <laughs> I'm going to go into it a little bit. So when you're on the board and you're waiting for a wave, um, it takes a lot of patience. And sometimes it's very frustrating because the waves will just be completely gone. I mean, it's not like um, the ocean where it's complete, like you can time the waves on the ocean, right? On the coasts and stuff like that. But Lake Michigan is completely by wind. Um, so you have to be patient. And in those times of patience, is the incredible opportunity to get to know God a little closer and to entrust your life into his hands every single time you wait. So, yeah, that's how I've recognized God this year and will continue to.
I too have a health story for my husband, and um, it is it is a miracle. You know, John, you know, he had a five bypass surgery there, and uh, he went in for a calcium test that uh, uh, he didn't want to take, and I, I, I encouraged him to take because he was so tired. And he went and he took, he, I got a, he got in there on a Saturday morning, on a Sabbath morning, and on Monday morning, uh, I looked on the internet and the test came back because I can see his results. And I said to John David, this doesn't look good, you know? And uh, he said, so I called the doctor and his doctor and, and the nurse said, oh, the doctor read it this morning. It was Monday morning. So it's Saturday to Monday morning. And he said, I want to see him. And I said, I, I, don't, I don't feel good about this. He's really, really tired. And he says, well, then take him to the emergency room. So I called him up. I said, we have to go to the emergency room. <laughs> and we went to Good Sam. And I, I went to the wrong hospital because that isn't even in our provider, okay? And we're in the emergency room, and they did an EKG and said, his heart's fine. And I said, well, he has this calcium test. Read it. And so he read it, and he goes, oh, okay. Well, go home. You can, I won't do a stress test. Do an angiogram, but you can think about it. I said, we've thought about it. We're not moving. We're, we're staying right here until this is done. And so at 5 o'clock that night, they did the angiogram. The doctor came out and said, I'm surprised I'm talking to the two of you because every artery is clogged. He needs a vi five bypass surgery. And I... The thing was, was where God came intervening was each moment I felt like he was talking to us and saying, do this, do that, you know, do this, do that. And I, I realized so much that we just have to listen to what he says. And, and he had the surgery a few days later. It was an emergency. They could do it. They could do it peacefully. And... He recovered amazingly, so we thank God. Anyone on this side here? <clears throat> Most of you knew my dad. He passed away in August. I went to Ohio the day he passed, thinking I should use that time to just settle myself. When I opened to 1 Corinthians 15, and I read the whole chapter, but I'm just going to read a couple verses. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. But each one in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, and afterward those who are Christ at his coming. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, 
The dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom of God the, to God the Father, when he puts an end to all rule and all authority and power. For he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that will be destroyed is death. And that weekend, my sister wasn't even there because she was on vacation. And there was a gentleman and his sister was visiting who had gone to the same church that my father attended and his parents were like the equivalent of Pathfinder leaders today, taught the Sabbath school in juniors and kindergarten. And his sister just happened to be miraculously there to tell me about my grandparents and what a positive influence they had on her life and how they taught her about God's love and the stars and made the scripture come alive in the middle of New York City. And that was God's gift to me, a little taste of the people we'll be united with in heaven, the stories that we'll share, and the joys that we'll share when death is swallowed up in victory. I knew God was there that weekend, and he still is there for us. Anyone else? All right, well, let's, let's uh, have closing song, and we'll have closing prayer so much for the ability to, to, to experience you each day. We thank you, Lord, for your grace, your love, and your encouragement and the ways that you speak to our hearts and allow us to recognize you. I pray that this coming year would be a year of experiences, Lord, that we experience you daily in, in, in the, the big things in life and the small things and everywhere in between. I pray, Lord, that you would open our eyes and our hearts to just experience you in deep and new and refreshing ways. And Lord, as well, to share these experiences with you, with others. In your name.